Welcome to Together We Grow, our podcast at Mercy Connect. Join us as we explore the world of disability, interviewing guests who share their story and insights on their experience with disability. Hi, it's Trent Dean here and welcome to this first episode of the second season of Together We Grow. Sponsored by Mercy Connect, this podcast series sets out to explore a range of contemporary issues and trends impacting people with disability and those working within the disability sector. I'd like to acknowledge the people of the Radjuri Nation who are the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Gary Whitaker, who has been the Regional Manager for Training Services New South Wales within the Department of Education since 2014. In this role, Gary leads the effective delivery of New South Wales government subsidised vocational education and training programs and services to the community and supports services to apprentices, trainees and their employers across the Riverina-Murray region. Gary has over 30 years' experience as a learning and development professional, having previously held roles with New South Wales TAFE, the Australian Federal Police, New South Wales Corrective Services, New South Wales State Emergency Services, and Charles Sturt University, developing, implementing, and delivering learning programs and workforce development solutions. In 2020, Gary suffered a severe traumatic brain injury resulting in aphasia, an acquired impairment of language which is typically characterised by areas in word retrieval and selection impacting his ability to use language consistently. During his treatment and recovery, Gary spent time in Sydney and at the St George Hospital Intensive Care and High Dependency Units before returning to Wagga, where he was able to access the speech, pathology and occupational therapy services available through the Southwest Brain Injury Rehabilitation Service. His journey of recovery, though, also adopted a neurorehabilitation approach, capitalising on the brain's ability to recover from integrating neuroplasticity-based brain training to enhance his recuperation. Gary is now a passionate advocate about how we can all improve our well-being by also including brain fitness into our everyday living to maintain and enhance our cognitive capabilities in addition to our diet and physical and exercise routines. And if that wasn't enough, Gary also holds a Bachelor of Business, a Graduate Diploma of Education, and next year plans to commence a Master's in Educational Neuroscience at Central Queensland University. Welcome, Gary. It's an absolute pleasure to have with me today. This amazing bio, amazing story that I'm really looking forward to speaking with you about today. It's lovely to be here, Trent. Um, great start. Um, it looks like I've got a very big role to fill as we move through today's podcast. So once again, thank you. You're very welcome. And as we say, first episode for season two, let's go with a bang. So look, Gary, I, I think first of all, I'm wondering if you're happy to share with me how your traumatic brain injury impacted you personally and how you physically and emotionally recovered following that event. It's a really good question, Trent. Uh, as you can imagine, um, having that experience sheds a new place, I guess, in your life. Um, from my point of view, um, an injury like that actually blew my confidence. Um, given my work history that you've just reflected on, um, that had a significant impact, I guess, on shaping my journey and, and how I th was thinking, I guess, at that particular time. It's also about not being really sure where you're going to end up with this. Um, what's actually going to happen? What's the outcome? Um, having worked for the previous 30 years, you just think, wow, is that going to continue mm. or is it not? There are other layers of impact, I guess, as well. Um, you know, emotionally, something like that really. Um, has a strong impact um, in terms of moving forward, 
Um, as I said, that level of confidence, um, fear, frustration, helplessness are also a few other things that, that fall out of that particular arena. So it's an amazing um, reflection point there, Gary. And you touched on some really key points, that vulnerability, that uncertainty that you would have experienced at that time. And going further with that that question then, I'm curious to know what sort of adjustments you might have made to your own work commitments uh, during that period of recovery and rehabilitation. And since that time as well, what's really adjusted or changed for you? Um, look, from a work perspective, um, it was a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, at the end of the day, um, I was out of action for about 10 months. Hmm. Um, there was a period of recovery that I actually needed to, to move through as a result of that. Um, and I guess that was significant because if I actually didn't do that, I wouldn't have actually ended up back in my particular role. The other thing I'll actually add there as well is that head trauma, um, uh, I won't say lasts forever. Of course it actually doesn't, but the point I'm actually making, the improvement around that continues. Mm. Certainly the recovery uh, is defined, I guess, by the injury that you actually had, and you can manoeuvre through that reasonably quickly as well if you have the right support services. And certainly from my perspective, those support services were great through the Southwest Brain Injury Rehab service, you know, accessing the speech pathologist, the occupational therapist, uh, as well as the neuropsychologist as well. That was critical to my recovery. If I didn't have access to that service locally, um, it, it would have been really challenging to step through that particular area. The other thing I'll actually add as well, and this really highlights the importance of the other things you can actually do around that, um, Physical exercise was something that I just landed into significantly during that period to the extent that I was spending 10, 14 hours plus inside the gym um, to drive some of that change that Mm. I actually needed. Did a lot of walking at the time as well, but with an injury that I actually had, given that it was impacting my language um, and and word identification skills, um, the walking that I actually did was physical but actually focused on my surrounds as well when i went on that walk i never googled anything i may have taken a photo of it um and let my brain do that work and that work could have taken two days Mm. until i actually found that word that i was actually looking for really challenging initially as part of that recovery point it could have been simply as this was the case certainly during my hospital stay going down into the cafe with my speech speechy at that particular time um, and having to point. Wow. I knew what I wanted, mm. absolutely knew what I wanted, um, you know, but to really identify, you know, yeah, that's a cappuccino I want, you know, um, or a flat white um, on skim, you know, couldn't do that at mm. that particular time. So, you know, very, very challenging environment. The other thing I'll actually add as a loop into getting back to work as I actually needed to was certainly Murrumbidgee Mines, another great service, um, providing um, acquired brain injury por- uh, peer support group as well. Mm. So that social impact, I think, was also important from my perspective. That's wonderful. And I was going to ask you, you know, you're coming back into the workforce, you've worked through significant rehabilitation. Did you find any personality or behavioural changes within yourself or observable to others? Or um, That's a really good question. And I think my team would have a great response to that. Mm. Um, and that response is 
and I think about this as well, I've changed. And mm. I don't mean change uh, in a bad way. From a personality point of mm. view, that was a question I was constantly asked when I was actually in hospital. Not just me, and probably it was more focus on my relatives that actually visited me during that time. How's your, pers- how's your personality? Is he different? Mm. Um, you know, uh, are there things he's doing now that he actually didn't do before? You know, having said that, I guess, you know, my team had now perhaps described me uh, as someone with a heart and soul. Mm. Um, that's a great thing, but golly, what was I like before that, you know? So, mm. yeah, um, you know, so those things I guess I've identified were, were, were great markers to actually build the recuperation and get back into that work sense. But as I said, it wasn't immediate. Mm. Virtually, I didn't get back into my full-time role um, for 18 months. And, you know, we're able to continue. Remember, COVID was happening at that mm. particular time as well. We're able to continue effectively because of the team, I guess, we actually have at, at Riverina. Yeah. You know, I was out for that period of time. Um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, it's been interesting. And been the, interesting. And it's interesting that the point, the way that you, I met you is through obviously the professional circles and you disclosed this. To, so for me, it was a hidden disability as such. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's an important point I want to draw out today yeah. that if you hadn't shared, I would never have known, which tells yeah. us how successful arguably yeah. your rehabilitation has yeah. been. And yeah. I'm, I'm interested to hear about that that particular aspect of rehabilitation. And in my intro, and, and we'll touch on it, is around that neuroplasticity-based brain training. I'm ignorant to it, so I'd love you to tell me what it is and how it actually works. Look, if it wasn't for the brain injury, I wouldn't have known either. Mm. Um, this was a place of discovery. That's the only thing I can call it. Um, but I only got that way because of a conversation I had with my auntie about three or four months after my injury. Um, she was studying or she has studied uh, a Bachelor of uh, Social Work at Charles Sturt University and she gave me uh, a chapter out of a book and she said, Gary, this might be interesting. She didn't actually have a copy of the book. But that book is called The Brain That Changes Itself. And there was a chapter there on rejuvenation. Now it's all about, you know, people as you uh, age, your cognitive abilities start to decline. Um, There were many, many other things in there as well. But there was a piece there that really grabbed me. And that was a piece around brain training. It was doing brain training. Mm. So I identified what book that actually was. And it was a book called The Brain That Changes Itself. So I bought the book. But can I also add as well, I bought one for my auntie as well at that particular (laughs) time. And I read that book um, from front to back as you actually do, but highlighted everything that was relevant for me. The thing that resonated with me completely was chapter three. Uh, Chapter three and Dr. Michael Mezenich one of the uh, strong founders, I guess, in the neuroplasticity arena. That's what led me to this particular area. That's why I'm doing brain training. The brain training that's been developed globally was developed by um, a company called Posit Science in California. Um, and and their, their focus, I guess it was perhaps his way of being able to demonstrate globally, I've done all this research, um, and I want people to be able to access um, uh, really solid outcomes as a result of that research. And, and really, that's the whole notion that our brains can actually support their own recoveries. However, not to ignore... Um, how I utilise that to supplement what I could actually access um, and what is well known anyway. 
That's an amazing uh, body of work there, which I'm going to have to do a bit of a deep dive after this. I appreciate that, uh, Gary. And you mentioned then, and, it, and previously in one of the other questions, you know, around uh, the wellbeing activities and things you've done in your life. So I'm just curious, what sorts of things have you changed in your practices and activities? You mentioned some other ones earlier, but what's what's changed for you in your wellness uh, since that traumatic brain injury? Um, quite a few things, actually, Trent. Um, when I talk about wellbeing these days, in my own mind, and certainly increasing in the conversations I actually have, it's really about brain health. Um, and perhaps you could probably look at brain health um, as being uh, a little bit different to what we commonly um, know um, around our brain and what the challenges may present in that area. Um, obviously, the obvious one is brain training. I haven't stopped doing that. Mm. Um, I'm up. I remember I started this back in around June 2021, mm. and I've been doing it actively since then. So I'm up to my 750th set of exercises. And what are those exercises, Gary? Yeah, what sorts yeah. of things would you do yeah. there? Mm. Well, those exercises, there are a number, of, well, they cover a range of different areas. They focus on things like attention, your brain speed, memory people skills, intelligence, and navigation. And there are 29 sets of activities that sit below that. Mm. Obviously, there's a there's an allo- allocation, probably not the right word, we're going to use that, mm. the center under each of those as well. You can either dial into that and select your own exercises, or you can allow Brain HQ to set that up for you, um, uh, you know, from... The um, online system, I guess, that you'll actually use, computer-based online training, effectively, that's Mm. what it actually is. But the other thing I'll actually say, what amazed me about this was the evidence-based research that sits behind it. It's absolutely incredible. And it's also, I think, also about, you know, those who are engaged in what I'll call the neuroscience community, um, well-learned practitioners around the world who actually have a contribution to the development of those activities and exercises, including Dr. Michael Mezenich um, himself. One area I'm focusing on at the moment are my um, attention skills. You can imagine any conversation, Trent, there can be a lot of distractions going on mm. at that particular time, so it can take your attention away from where you need to be at that particular time. The exercise I'm doing is simply called freeze frame. And what actually happens is you'll see a range of pictures that will come up over 10 or 12 minutes. You'll see the first one at the start of that activity that you actually need to identify, and it could be a bridge, for instance. Mm. But then you're exposed to a whole bunch of other bridge structures throughout that. I'll guarantee you that when you start that exercise, you'll actually miss the, the one you've actually got to identify. Yeah, over that, and it might sound like a fairly simple thing to do, but if you think about mm. it after that three or four minutes, okay, the way our brains, I guess, actually mm. work, uh, where you have that point of distraction, you'll actually miss what you're actually looking for. So it's designed to, I guess, uh, for want of a better word, train up. Um, those neurological connections to ensure we're in a conversation like this that my focus is completely on you, Trent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was going to ask you, on the research, it seems it's arguably more American-based. Are you seeing some Australian research and local uh, researchers doing that work here in Australia? Yeah. Um, look, um, that's a really good question. Um, from what I've read and actually see, um, the research that sits underneath that is global. Mm. A really good example of this, I guess, although there is a, certainly a, a US tinge to it as well. I was for, fortuitous enough 12 months into my injury. I received an email one day on my, um, my home um, iPhone and I had a look at it. And I thought, 
wow, who's this from? And it was actually from Margie Mezenich, mm. okay, Dr. Michael Mezenich's right. daughter. Okay, so she's the vice president content at Posit Science, okay, the company that actually established um, Brain HQ. She wanted to catch up to me because I, res- I, I returned a survey um, and she identified that I had a brain injury. She was interested in catching up with me, I guess, because I was doing some research at that time really um, around uh, war vets who have been to Iraq um, and Afghanistan, mm. and they were integrating brain training around their recover- recovery in terms of mild cognitive impairments they actually had and the impact that that was actually going to have. So so the research is, is wide, widespread, certainly from what I can actually see, and there are, you know, at that research level, I'm sure there are many, many, you know, more astute people than me in this particular studio um, who are who are having a very, very sound impact in that particular area. I'm just benefiting off that research. And I've got to add, it's something I didn't know about. Mm. I don't know why I know more. I don't know why people don't know any more about this. But anyway. And here we are talking about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I know. So that's the, yeah, yeah, the spirit, Gary. And, and your, your brain training exercises, are there apps that you can download? Are they reasonably accessible and, you know, portable? Or? But they are. They are. However, um, what I would actually suggest is to get on their website. That's the best thing to actually do to, to experience that yourself. There is a yearly cost, but it's very, very minimal to get the full range of activities and exercises. As I said, I'm up to my 720th activity. Mm. Um, you know, I, you know, I've got a, I've got a sense. I'd, I'd like to see how this is actually certainly utilised globally because I understand and I get the science that absolutely sits behind it. That's why I've integrated, I guess, into the well-being, my brain well-being. Aside, as I mentioned before, exercise. You know, table tennis is also a great thing, so I actually do that as well. And the other thing I'll actually add in there as well is Tai Chi. So it sounds like it's a mixture of physical activity yep. as much as mental activity. Absolutely. And did you get a sense potentially in your, some of your readings or – because I'm thinking a bit more laterally here to say, well, is there you know people who are aged and you know the, the, you don't use it, you lose it in terms yep. of mental capacity. Is there yep. research and science around that of brain plasticity for older people? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's the same range of exercises that I'm actually doing. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, I won't call it the rules of the game. I guess that's not necessarily appropriate. But again, the research actually identifies where that f- the benefits of it. Absolutely use it um, or lose it. That applies certainly as we get older as well. So yes, it does have an application to those who are actually aging as well. I haven't been in that situation where I've actually been, mm-hmm. but it's the... I guess it's the, you know, it's the natural reduction as we get older, perhaps some of our cognitive skills, unless mm. you've been keeping an eye on them mm. and doing a range of other things to actually stimulate um, that cognitive use of your brain, uh, I guess, as well. That's great, Gary. And um, going back to then, you've, you've been complimentary of the services and supports you've had over that time. And I'm just interested also, what are some of the improvements you believe that probably should be made to the existing services for people recovering from brain injuries? And maybe there's some gaps in the market. So what other services should be introduced? Again, Trent, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, and this one, I guess, I'm sort of reflecting on um, what's already available um, and I think what's ever, already available um, goes to great lengths to support people um, in that brain injury uh, arena. And I mentioned speech pathologist, occupational therapist, and certainly the neuropsychologist and those interventions, those supportive interventions that I actually accessed. I guess it's more about 
being in a regional location and what can we actually do to support Mm -hmm. that further to encourage people perhaps into that area so you can broaden that potential service delivery i guess that's that's an ongoing challenge in that particular area i think it's also about um that you know, being really explicit as an allied health service about the potential careers that are available in that area. Mm. But it's also about the impact, the positive life impact that those individuals can actually have on you. That's what happened to me. I know I've, t- I know I've spoken about Brain HQ, mm. but to be honest with you, that was my starting point. I, I just discovered another, another layer to support what was actually happening, which I continue to do. Um, and I don't need to utilise, I guess, those other services um, uh, now. You know, I guess, you know, if there was some consideration, what would that look like? What would, you know, what would um, brain training look like in that particular, in that particular arena? Sh- you know, should it be considered to be relevant? The other thing I'll actually add there as well, however, is that any brain injury, you know, is very, very different from one individual to the other, mm. okay? Obviously, mine impacted my language at that particular time and my ability to find words um, and respond as a consequence. Um, but the impact of a brain injury on others can be very, very different to me. I was just fortuitous enough to step into that arena but recognise what actually happened to me and how I could actually use that. And that's what I did. And I often refer to what I've actually done as my Mount Everest climb. It was always in the back of my mind, how do I get to the top of Mount Everest? I know Mm. it's a crazy analogy Mm. and we're not in Nepal climbing Mount Everest. However, it was very, very relevant to what I did because some days I'd wake up and it was almost felt like I'd fallen down Mount Everest a little bit. Mm. Um, And getting up, getting going again. And that was certainly the lead into my work. But, you know, there was certainly an aspect of that when I stepped back into my role as well. And certainly, you know, acquiring a brain injury later in life, it it really highlights the fact that anyone could have this happen to them. And we talk about one in five Australians living with a disability right now, and that's an international figure as well. So I guess, you know, you've come in with this lived experience and and, and really appreciate you speaking today. I guess uh, the final question for me is what's some of the things you wish the general public better understood about disability? I I think what matters to someone with a disability what what's important for them and how do you get people to actually understand that unless you've actually lived that experience and again my disability um and my growth through that area is very different to you know um that that particular area i guess that'd be one thing i'd actually say we've already spoken about silent disability Mm. you know um and the importance of people i guess actually recognizing and understanding that i think it's also about understanding how others assist and support in that particular arena and the potential impact that's actually having on their lives as well um it's also i think about um how different is my life as someone who doesn't have a disability compared to someone who, who does have one and what do I need to do when I run into those individuals? What does my conversation need to look like? How do I need to show that sense of empathy when I'm in that mm. particular situation? How, do I, how can I be mindful of that particular situation um, when, when I do step outside the house um, and, and we see individuals like that 
because I don't think we think about that enough. Mm. Mm. The key word of empathy uh, is the one that I sort of hang my hat on is that we, we don't know what's going on for people. Absolutely. Uh, and and, and it, sometimes it comes, you know, by conversation yeah. or by discovery. And, um, and I think that's a really important point. Yeah. And Gary, look, I could talk for hours with you. I really, and I'm sure we will continue the conversation beyond today's podcast. But a uh, podcast. But today, as our episode unfortunately comes to an end, I do want to thank you for being a guest on Together We Grow, and for your shared insights and advice, which I'm fairly certain will benefit many people who are listening to this, particularly those that may have experienced a traumatic brain injury or a family member or carer supporting someone with a brain injury. Yours, Gary, is for me a story of hope resilience and positivity and and i'm very grateful for your ongoing advocacy and and awareness raising in this important area of disability thanks trent um i've really enjoyed my time today thank you for the opportunity um and if i can just add um from a a brain health and well-being perspective i think it's a work in progress um and i think um from anyone's position it's important if we identify that as part of our everyday living it's not hard to actually do and recognize that you know the powerful nature of our brain and how we can actually utilize that um, for our own self-well-being oh, well said no thank you gary and now if any of our listeners would like to learn more about some of the topics gary's raised today including such things as brain plasticity health knowledge and well-being you can order a fantastic book titled Softwired: how the new science of brain plasticity can change your life which is authored by the very person uh, gary's mentioned a few times which is dr michael mezenich Alternatively, you can find detailed information about Brain Injury Awareness Week, which is held annually to raise awareness of brain injury and its impact in Australia. So you just head on over to www.synapse.org.au, where you can find some excellent resources and learn more about this important awareness campaign. This week, I leave you with a quote from Christopher Reeve, a former actor who was notably Superman, film director, author and disability activist, who said... A hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. I'd like to thank everyone who has downloaded or streamed this latest episode of Together We Grow and look forward to welcoming you back again for our next episode in this second season where we'll continue to hear stories and shared learnings and experiences from people with disability and those that support them. And remember that it is together and only together that we grow. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Together We Grow. For more information, check out our website, mercyconnect.org.au.